Understood is a resource I have recommended for many years to parents looking for support with learning and thinking differences such as ADHD, dyslexia, and more. And I'm subsequently excited to tell you about their podcast, Understood Explains. This season, the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. They cover topics such as how to tell if your child needs an IEP, common myths about special education, and the difference between IEPs and 504 plans. I love how Understood Explains breaks down the overwhelm by unpacking an important topic each season and then drilling down further into key basics in each episode. Most episodes are between 10 to 15 minutes, and episodes are available in both English and Spanish. So fantastic, right? To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, your host, Christine Coe, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you will come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Hello, friends. Welcome, welcome. And I'm very excited to introduce you to today's guest. Maura Ahrens-Mealy is an award-winning speaker, author, podcaster, and entrepreneur. She champions leaning into and honoring who you are, specifically in the lanes of introversion. Her first book was Hiding in the Bathroom, How to Get Out There When You'd Rather Stay Home, and Anxiety. Her new book is The Anxious Achiever, Turn Your Biggest Fears into Your Leadership Superpower. This book comes out very soon and is geared towards leaders, but has so much in it for the everyday human wrestling with anxiety. Maura is also a former colleague and a dear friend. She is the type of person who, no matter how chaotic her life is, shows up and leaves bags of delicious groceries on your doorstep when you are laid up with COVID or a complete emotional dumpster fire. I have learned so much from Maura, both in business and friendship. Welcome, Maura. Hi. <laughs> Tearing up. Oh, my gosh, Maura. I'm just so delighted to talk to you today. It's sort of ridiculous that we don't see each other that much, even though we live pretty close to each other. <laughs> and I just follow all of the things in your life, though, with, with such admiration and joy. And I just want to start with a quick thank you, because in your book, there's something you wrote that really spoke. I mean, many things spoke to me, but this line in particular, you wrote, what requires more courage, facing a demon or trying to pretend it doesn't exist? And knowing you in all the ways I know you, I can only imagine that it took a lot of demon facing to write this very brave book. So I just wanted to start to say thank you for writing it. It's going to help a lot of people. Oh, Christine. Thank, first of all, you're welcome. Second of all, thank you for everything. I mean, you and I could have an entire love fest on air, but I, I'm not sure that's instructive for listeners, so I'll restrain myself. But um, I've learned more from you, definitely, than you have learned from me. Um, I'm, I'm going to say that I, 
had an interview yesterday. I am writing a piece for Fortune magazine. You know, I, I do a lot of freelance writing, as do you, with um, Diane Patrick, who is um, a really accomplished car- corporate lawyer, used to run all of HR and was counsel at Harvard and was the first lady of Massachusetts. Her, mm. her husband is is um, past governor, Deval Patrick. Yes, yes. And she and I spoke about her anxiety and depression. And she said to me, I just was so good at pretending it wasn't there. And then I just couldn't pretend anymore. Mm. Yep. And I feel like that's a lot of us, you know? And so to your, to your, to my, I guess my words, is it, is it harder to face your demons or is it harder to pretend they're not there? Like, I think a lot of us, we just get in the habit of pretending and then, and then usually a crisis or we go into a crisis tells us that we just can't anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I actually think that's a good connection to the first official question I have for you, which came actually as inspiration because I had put out a call about this new podcast series I've just launched called the mini edit, where I'm answering like really simple tactical questions and when I re- on Instagram. Yeah. When I, <laughs> and when I received this question, I thought, oh, well, this is too big for a five minute thing. And I have the perfect guest coming on. So I'm going to pose this question and it's related to toxic bosses. So this person does not reference anxiety specifically, but I felt like it is a scenario ripe for anxiety and one that involves leadership change. So this person wrote, I noticed my manager is not very fond of me or at the very least treats me differently. I recently got a leadership role in the agency I work for, and that was a big deal for me. I now feel very deflated and struggle to not let him get under my skin. How does one do that? How does one pursue their dream job in these conditions? Context, he's chaotic, seems to have a short-term memory, and is very reactive. Mm. I don't have to work with him every day, but our one-on-ones are something I dread. I even made them monthly instead of weekly. So, Maura, this small question I would love for you to offer your advice given all the research you've compiled, everything you know, your personal experience, what would be some actionable steps this person could take? All right. I got, I, I got you, but here I'm going to, I'm going to, it's going to be a three level question. Okay. Okay. The first level is, I don't know anything about um, your listener, except that she's a woman. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, I want to say that a lot of times it's not in your head and it's not even about you. Mm-hmm. Right. So society is biased and gendered and racist and patriarchal and for people who feel other in an office or have traditionally lower status, right, than white mm-hmm. men in our professional society, work makes us anxious and people are toxic because people are toxic and systems are toxic. Mm. So I just want to start by acknowledging, you know, it, this is not probably about you and it's not in your head and it may be about forces way beyond anything that you can control Mm -hmm. that said your boss is making you terribly anxious and it sucks because he's your boss 
And you can't tell him probably you make me really anxious because you're really reactionary and you only operate in the short term and you're chaotic and you don't even seem to like me. And so there are two things I would recommend. I love to talk about reducing anxiety through clarity. You have a chaotic boss. You have a boss who probably is very anxious himself and struggles to um, either contain that or put appropriate guardrails around his management and leadership. And you see that. You see that he's messy. And so when you have a messy, chaotic, reactionary person that you work with, one of the best ways you can calm them down and thus make your life easier is to be really clear with them. And so the worst thing I'm going to tell you, and I'm so sorry, is you might have to meet with him more often. And oh, okay. You, yeah, and you might have to, and this is so hard, and I'm so guilty of hiding from people that I can't deal with, so I'm a hypocrite here, but um, you got to organize him. Mm. you got to make him feel, even if he doesn't like you, like, okay, She's got it together. I know the plan. I know the deliverables. And he'll feel less anxious. And at the very least, he will have less, hopefully, effect on you. Mm. And then the third piece is to, you know, really have strong (laughs) self-talk around him. I've had bosses where if I saw their name flash on my screen, I would get anxious. Or I've had certain tons of clients like that. <laughs> we both have. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so it's really important to sort of give yourself self-talk that protects you and gives you confidence and lets you know, like, yeah, this this is making me anxious. And but I have a plan for that. He's chaotic, and we have our meeting in two days, and I'm feeling nervous, but I've done X, Y, and Z. I've been as clear as him as possible. I'm doing great. Mm-hmm. proactively change the self-talk so that the anxiety has less teeth. I think that's really great. And also just, I feel like it feels a little Stuart Smalley. You remember <laughs> Stuart Smalley? <laughs> I love Stuart But Smalley. I do think there is something to saying to yourself, I recently got this leadership role for a reason. Like I matter, my work is good. My work is great. And this person is doing their own swirl thing and I can't control that. So I'm it's, a fan. Yeah. It's it's not even about me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the great pieces of advice that gets passed around all the time is keep a keep a clips file, like keep a brag file. But, you know, I have many days like I keep emails from people. I actually keep a running list of feedback on my podcast, believe it or not. Mm. When I'm feeling low or I have imposter feelings or I just feel like, why am I doing this all? It's so it's not worth it. Having physical evidence really helps. Oh, yes. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, Maura, that is such great advice. I'm, I'm really glad Thank I you. asked you this question <laughs> because you were really the person. My next question actually relates to this because, and was something that was really on my mind. I was, I was reading your book because, you know, we're in this blended work world and I think because of that, and you know me, I have been working remote for ever since I left academia, so many, many years, and I love it. And I think that in situations where offices are now hybrid or whatever else, 
because there's all this blended work, I think there's potential for less investment in one another as human beings first. Mm. And I think the problem is, to me anyway, is when you have this talk of what an amazing work culture, how open it is, be compassionate, be vulnerable. But then there isn't really actually the creation or support of that culture. (laughs) So how would you recommend people show up authentically with their anxiety in circumstances like these? I mean, it involves trust, but what if the trust hasn't been built? I mean, that's, that's a really valid question. I, I, I really feel for people, especially who, who were onboarded during the pandemic, right? And, 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 and people who are young now, right? Who are, who are growing up in a culture where they don't every day spend hours together. There is something lost. And I think we have to acknowledge that. And I love working from home as much as you do and have been doing it almost as long. So I think that acknowledging that it's harder is really important and that we have to be better communicators is also really important because all those casual moments aren't happening. Now, the research shows, interestingly, and this is especially for women and women of color, that um, women like it better because there are fewer microaggressions. There are fewer inappropriate comments. So that's the bright side of it, right? Um, Mm -hmm. But I think that we have to just work harder. And if you're in a job that you like and you want to start feeling more at home with people so that you can get to vulnerability. I'm a huge believer in like scheduling a phone call. Mm-hmm. I think that managers should be encouraging people to come together and at least meet each other and spend, you know, spend some long days together, right? Mm-hmm. Just establish the base that we have to be much more intentional than we were before. Um, I am all for being open with your emotions and being vulnerable, but you are so right that you have to have a bedrock of something before you do that, especially if you're a woman, because women are judged much more strongly for our emotions. Yes. I believe you have a podcast for episode forthcoming on this very I sure do. (laughs) So I will be sure to link it in the notes. Oh, Maura, we have so much more to chat about. We're going to take a quick break and be right back. People often talk about the impact of things like stress, hormone fluctuations, and nutrition on skin, but did you know those things impact your hair too? If you've been dealing with hair thinning, you are not alone, and Nutrafol is here to help. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement, with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster-growing hair with less shedding. I appreciate that they offer formulas tailored to different life stages, such as postpartum and menopause, as well as different lifestyles, such as plant-based diets. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after taking Nutrafol Women's Hair Growth Supplement for six months. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering Edit Your Life listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code EDIT. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. That's Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, and use promo code EDIT. That's Nutrafol.com, using promo code EDIT. Are you, like pretty much every parent of younger kids I know, looking for a smart entertainment option for your kids? Designed for kids ages 6 and up, Mysteries About True Histories, also known as math, how smart is that, 
is a weekly podcast full of time travel, puzzles, hidden equations, history, and humor. And while kids will enjoy the stories anchored around characters like troublesome trolls, pirate queens, and mysterious aunts, adults can benefit too. I admittedly delighted in learning a thing or two about Pythagoras and triangles in one episode. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time-traveling adventures. The series explores themes like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code-breaking, pattern-solving, and more, all weaving humor in with education to make learning fun. Episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, a great length for transition times during the day or a bedtime treat. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Hello, friends. We are back with the wonderful Maura Aarons Mealy, who is dispensing all manner of wisdom about work and anxiety. Maura, I wanted to talk to you about something that you reference in the book called thought traps. Can you explain to people what they are? And in your experience, what is one of the most powerful, reliable, and simple ways to get unensnared? Oh, oh, I love thought traps. So thought, I call them thought traps. They're, they can be called um, cognitive distortions, negative biases. It is, this is really sort of cognitive behavioral therapy 101, but it is literally life-changing once you understand your thought traps. And we all have them. Like you could be a person who, you know, is listening to this and is like, I'm never anxious, but I guarantee you, you have some thought traps. Mm-hmm. And um the great news is that once we understand them, we really, really, really <laughs> can, again, lessen their teeth, not get stuck, and it just kind of frees us up. And so a thought trap is a negative piece of either self-talk, self-criticism, feedback, or an instant reflexive thought that happens when you are triggered, right? When you are made anxious or concerned about something and it's a negative bias against yourself. And so a classic one is catastrophizing, right? Jumping to conclusions, feeling like an imposter, feeling like you are not worth it, right? Filtering out the good news and only hearing the bad. Or you can leap into perfectionistic behavior and thoughts, right? Mm -hmm. If I fail, this is curtains for me. Mm -hmm. The thing about thought traps that's really important and that I learned through my research is that they're habits. They're so powerful because we do them by habits and and we sort of have our greatest hits, right? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And so it's really important. And I list them all out in the book. And this is, you know, this is the famous work of David Burns and um, the original sort of CBT innovators, Aaron Beck, that you've got to hear the cognitive distortion and then change the story. Mm -hmm. And so um, say that you're particular, I'll use my thought traps. My biggest thought trap is catastrophizing. So I might see a piece of news and my head goes to the most cataclysmic place or my um, retirement fund might dip 
and I'm convinced I'm never going to be able to retire and I'm going to have to sell my house and, and all that stuff. Yep. I literally go from zero to a hundred in one thought. And so one of the things that I do is I propose more balanced thoughts. And again, this sort of harkens back to what we were talking about, having like a clips file and having other people's great brags about you. It's evidence. It's not what I think about myself, which might be distorted and awful. It's what other people think or it's what's more realistic. So when my 401k goes down, I might, and I think, oh my God, we're never going to retire. It's all dark. And I want to call my husband and cry, which happens a lot recently. I will just say, okay, Maura, let's breathe here. You get really anxious around money and you know that. You aren't going to retire for however many years. It's one piece of data. You've done all this work and I'll just try to pull out data points and give myself not a rah-rah, like everything's perfect, right? The stock market is down. I, I am losing money. I can't change that. But a more neutral and hopefully a more fact-based alternative that gets me to a better place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so important. I feel like these days I've been in the face of a bit of chaos and uh, visions of instability and my own level of catastrophizing. I've just kept telling myself, actually, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Even if even if things go worst case scenario for this particular scenario, it's still going to be okay. Well, and backing it up with those numbers is helpful. And, you know, the whatever the clips might look like. One of the um, amazing psychologists I interview um, in my book, Dr. Angela Neal Barnett of Kent State, has what she calls the so what chorus. And I love this so much. So what, like you said, you might have an individual thing that's really triggering you and you instantly go to the worst case scenario, but the worst case scenario probably isn't as bad as you think. And so every thought that comes up, you challenge with, so what? So my boss wants to meet with me at 9 a.m. I'm definitely getting fired. So what? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to get fired. I won't have a job. So what? Well, it's going to be really stressful and I'm going to worry about money and I'm going to be anxious for a long time. So what? And you just play it out. And it's actually really, really really one of my favorites because again it's helping stop that negative self-talk and breaking that cycle yeah that's so important okay Maura these are such great tactical tips I want to move on to something that is a little broader but probably also tactical in potential solutions and it's something you and I I think think about and talk about a lot in our circles and it is perfectionism. Oh and God. indeed, Asha and I in the past have talked about letting go of perfection. It's something we wrote about in Minimalist Parenting. It's something I continue to talk about. I would love for you to talk about the connection between perfectionism and anxiety. And I know you had a guest on your podcast who was really focused on this lane. So just your observations and thoughts and how to help untangle perfectionism and anxiety. The craziest thing about perfectionism that um, is, is really gets lost because perfectionism is a pretty common vernacular word that we use a lot 
is that perfectionism <laughs> is actually anxiety. They are very closely related. And so when you're anxious, you might have perfectionistic thoughts and, and behaviors or your perfectionistic thoughts and behaviors make and keep you anxious. They're, they're kind of like peanut butter and jelly in that way. Mm-hmm. And perfectionism is not excellence. Perfectionism isn't, oh my gosh, this has to be the best. Only the best will do. I'm going to work, 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 work until it's perfect. And it's going to be amazing, right? Perfectionism is the anxiety and the behaviors that keep you in a cycle of, if this isn't perfect, I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. And so, and perfectionism often shows up as avoidance and procrastination because you're so scared it's going to not be perfect. Mm-hmm. So why bother? And so the clinical definition of perfectionism and what most of us who are perfectionists experience is really not about the pursuit of excellence. Now, there is adaptive perfectionism, right, where sometimes it really pays off, right? Like sometimes if you're perfectionistic, you will make that amazing product. But how much are you suffering along the way? And I feel like that's the question that we also and gosh, I am a I am not even a recovering perfectionist. I am a perfectionist. Um, that's the question you have to ask yourselves. So what, what am I giving up? Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, Dr. Thomas Greenspan, who's one of my favorite psychologists who writes a lot about perfectionism, you know, he'll say, you can, you can still drive towards the pursuit of excellence and being as good as you can be and giving 100% without being a perfectionist they're different Mm -hmm. yeah i will definitely link up your episode with him uh because i think there's uh, i know it's always a popular topic of conversation in your in your audience and i think it'll help a lot of people so uh thank you for reminding me specifically of your guest okay maura i have a couple more questions for you we're going to take another quick break and be right back Did you know that hyaluronic acid naturally occurs in our skin, but decreases gradually as we age, leading to thinner, drier skin? If you're looking for support hydrating your skin from the inside out, check out one of the tools in my hydration arsenal, Rituals Hyacera, which I take every morning. Rituals products are tested and validated by a third party for allergens, microbes, and heavy metals, and Hyacera is clinically proven to reduce fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. They also engage in industry-leading sustainability standards and are a female-founded B Corp, which means they hold themselves accountable to not just their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. Want to join me in hydrating from the inside out? Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash edit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash edit for 25% off. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. 
I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Hello, friends. We're back with Maura Ahrens-Mealy. And Maura, let's talk about one of my very favorite topics, boundaries. You (laughs) cover Uh boundary setting in your book. I would love to hear what one of your most effective boundary setting tactics is, whether it applies to work or life in general. (laughs) Well, you're the queen of boundaries. Like literally you've taught me so much. And in, and in my first book, I interviewed you about your boundary skills. Um, and so I I've learned a lot from you about setting boundaries because it's not really my best, but I'll tell you this, the most powerful boundary that I set is that I have a rule because I do a lot of client focused work. And that rule is if you're my client and I've agreed and I like you and you're paying me the right rate, you can call me, you can email me at any hour. We can talk on the weekends. I'm okay with that. Mm. That is a tacit agreement that I will make with you. I want to know when you're online, what you like to do. And let's try to figure it out. If you love to work late at night, we can figure that out. However, this is the boundary. My most important value, because see, boundaries are very linked to your values. And that's why everyone's boundaries are different. The thing that drives me off the wall, you don't even notice. Because boundaries are very personal and they're really linked to our values. And my number one work value is independence. Mm-hmm. And as you know, well, and so you can't expect me to be at my desk between nine and six every day. And if I have a conflict that is personal, I will tell you, and I may choose the personal option, whether it's my kid's game or a doctor's appointment. And that is honestly it's, it's, it's now it's almost like my credo. It's not even a boundary. But I think the thing that's really ins- instructive here is that your boundaries are your boundaries. They are no one else's. And where we get into trouble at work is we all have different boundaries and we all have mm-hmm. different work styles. And we all, you know, the person who loves to be on Slack all day is, is allergic to, you know, being emailed late at night. Mm-hmm. whereas some of us like to flex our work. And so, so, and some of us like to be on camera all day and some of us hate it. And so this is, again, where communication comes in. It's so powerful. And there are so many options out there. There are work styles, quizzes, and orientation documents for us to talk about what are our workplace boundaries mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and how can we try, and we'll all have to compromise, but how can we try to understand each other's? Mm-hmm. Maura, this is so insightful. I don't think I'm just combing through my memory and I really don't think I've ever heard about boundaries discussed as a reflection of values, which 100% makes sense. Yeah. And really, you could not tee me up better because next week's episode is 
all about values. So it's so (laughs) so interesting. I'm just like fascinated. And I'm sitting here thinking, really, this is like, this is so cool. Um, So thank you for that framing. I just think that's incredibly important, especially in all those ways that you mentioned, because it's funny when you talk about establishing the boundaries and how you're okay with communication on weekends and stuff. That to me is my nightmare. Like, (laughs) as you know, I don't want to work at night anymore. I don't want to work on the weekends. My marriage took a real hit of, you know, early in my career over stuff like that. So that's really, and yes, that's connected to my values about protection of, you know, time with my family on, on the off hours. So fascinating. Right. Fascinating. It look, I'm just going to say one more thing, which is that I believe, and, and actually there's a whole school of therapy devoted to this, that values are something that you almost have to tap into every day. And if you're an anxious person, you have to, have to, have to understand your values, professional and personal, Mm -hmm. because anxiety is telling you something. It may lead you in the right direction towards your values, and it may lead you in the wrong direction. And so you have to have a dialogue and you have to be able to tap into those values, check in with yourself. When you're feeling anxious and overwhelmed and angry and all the things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, speaking on, speaking about rather tapping into yourself <laughs> in your book, you write candidly about how unmanaged anxiety narrows the lens on one subject, you, <laughs> and how anxiety loops in your words, keep you stuck inside yourself. That really jumped out at me because mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yes. And you offer a number of tips towards the end of your book about taking small steps out of the overwhelm. And they're very on point for this audience. And I don't want to give them all away because I want people to buy your book. But I just wanted to ask you what one of your favorite simple tactics is for managing anxiety. Organization. Mm. Small, meaningful actions. Anxiety anxiety is about you it's relational but when we get anxious we do tend to focus inward right even when we have social anxiety we're worried about what others will perceive of us mm-hmm. and i find that tasks like training my brain onto tasks is really, really helpful. And actually, your husband, John, talks about this. Um, He's very wise about this, but really thinking about getting out of your head, right? Mm -hmm. And that could be something physical. It could be something that you enjoy. It could be a sensory experience. It could be music. But for me, there's something about snapping out of anxiety and doing and, and putting all my thoughts or my schedule onto a piece of paper. It just calms me down. Can't explain it. It's like, it's like a way of putting the worries on paper and saying, it's going to be okay. You have a plan. More. I think that's such good advice. As you know, I'm a big fan of articulating things on paper. And actually I wanted to share something. I don't know if you think this is a good idea, but I think you might because of self-talk and all that. But in the face of the last few chaotic weeks, I started I have like a Google Doc sort of for my weekly priorities. This is a tip I picked up from Laura Vanderkam, who's a time expert. And I started putting a mantra on the top of every day. 
And it's been really good. Hold on. I'm actually going to try to open my document and see if I can pull it up. But it has been a really good level set. So it's things like I have everything I need or don't burn your energy in a tailspin until you have more information. Mm. Oh, my God. Or even when things are out of your control, change can be a good thing. There's a whole bunch more. I should send. Maybe I'll send it to you. Maybe I'll write a book about my mantras. I don't, don't burn your energies in a tailspin. That is incredible. Yeah. So writing it down, it it really I think it's really powerful. And, you know, you literally have the words in front of you to reflect on. Yeah, because because obviously when you're in a tailspin, which is another word for anxiety, right, or fear or overwhelm, you you kind of your brain clears out, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And um, you're in a very physical place. You're flooded. And so having the words in front of you actually is helpful when you're just not able to pull the words up because you're so anxious. Mm, yes. All right, Maura. Well, at the end of each show, I'm not sure if you recall, but I ask my guests to share what I call your next edit. You've already covered a lot of actionable tips, but it is a super actionable tip that listeners can consider doing right away after they finish listening. So whether it's something you've already talked about or something you haven't, I would love to hear in the context of our conversation, a your next edit you recommend for listeners today. Okay, it sounds boring, but I really want everyone to go and look at their schedule for the week. Mm, Yes, tell me, say say more. (laughs) I I just do. And, you know, I'm a Gen Xer, so I literally I'll print it out. I want you to take 10, 15 minutes and rehearse every day. Rehearsal is so powerful, especially if you're anxious or like me, if you're anxious and chaotic, because you can. Think about the day, think about the transitions, think about how personal stuff's going to intersect with work. And you're going to come up with both, oh, wow, I need to do that. But you're going to sort of mentally prepare and think about what you're going to need for the next week. Mm -hmm. And it's just very powerful. It's calming. I just, I do it every morning and sometimes I do it every evening when I finish too. Yeah, I think that's wonderful. And I'm I'm also a big fan of that just to, you know, get things set up and know what's coming is really important. Mm-hmm. Maura, this was such a gift to talk to you. I love you and I care about you so much. And I'm so proud of you and just honored to be able to share about this new, incredible, impactful piece of work that you have. So thank you for joining me today. Oh, Christine, what an honor. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Okay, friends, you will find the show notes for this episode, including links to resources and related episodes at edityourlifeshow.com. As ever, I would love to hear your thoughts and questions. Come say hello on Instagram or Facebook at edityourlifeshow or send an email to edityourlifeshow at gmail.com. I would also be grateful if you would drop Edit Your Life a review on Apple Podcasts or tell a pod-loving friend about the show. Thanks for listening. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. 
On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. 